Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, welcome to the Transform You Live show. The only place where you can make real life and business transformation, harnessing the power of optimism, hope, and faith. But before we get into today's episode, let's hear from our sponsor. Have you been furloughed by the COVID-19 pandemic and looking for extra income? We have a solution for you. Head over to www.joinfunbiz.com and partner with owners you can trust who treat you like family marketing organic products that work, targeting obesity and inflammation. We have over 80 natural organic and CBD products. With everything happening in the world, we all need a plan B. You can work part-time or full-time. You can work from home and get paid instantly. This is an independent contractor position. Take a free tour to learn more at www.joinfunbiz.com. That's J-O-I-N-F-U-N-B-I-Z.com. Hello and welcome to all those people out there in Cyberworld. We appreciate you joining us here on the Transform You Live show with your host, Paul Greaves. As you know, the Transform You Live show is the only show where you can make real life and business transformation, harnessing the power of optimism, hope, and faith, as well as hearing from great experts such as our star guest today, Aaron McCormick. Right, um, let me introduce Aaron to our listeners. So Aaron McCormick is an author, entrepreneur, inspirational speaker, and artist whose path to success and fulfillment defies societal norms and expectations in nearly every way. Raised by a single mum on the south side of Chicago, McCormick, since the age of 23, was one of the world's leading technology business transformation sales executives, earning millions and receiving numerous awards and distinctions. He has been honored as Best of IBM, an award bestowed upon the top 1% of 400,000 employees, He's founded several companies and earned an MBA from a top business school with the rare precedent of having no prior undergraduate college degree. McCormick courageously stood up and escaped the fundamentalist religious cult in which he was raised, resulting in loss of his universe of friends and family. With the combination of deep empathy, wisdom and self-made success, McCormick ignites the innate ability we all have within to decode our own answers for maximum clarity and self-actualization. Aaron has helped countless people of all backgrounds realize greater fulfillment and success in areas of career, personal power, love and relationships, sales, entrepreneurship, and leadership. And today he is here to give us insight from his new book, Unbounded, Journey to Your Within. So Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. 
Thank you for having me. Oh, you're more than welcome. So how are you today? Doing as good as I can be. You know, yeah. um, the weather is great. The children are sleeping. Uh, you, you learn to appreciate the simple things. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah. Yeah, really appreciate those times. Excellent, excellent. Well, Aaron, you know, um, welcome, welcome to the show today. We really appreciate appreciate you coming on, and I know our guests, our um, audience, are gonna absolutely love listening to you today. So, um, yeah, your um, your bio there is is fantastic. You've done so many things already. So, so Aaron, can I can I ask you? Can you uh, tell us about your transformation journey from from the start to to where you are now? Yeah, that's a that's a loaded question as always. It's always <laughs> an unfolding one, right? It's it's still unfolding. I don't I don't really know where I am right now, other than <laughs> I'm I'm trying to do the thing that we all want to do, which is live intrinsically, which is what I talk about a lot. It's trying to follow the instinct, the heart, try to be a little bit less affected by foreign minutiae and you know, energies around us that are not necessarily con you know, congruent with what our soul really wants. So and I think that's really the formation of, of my journey. There's a lot of, you might have noticed there's a lot of kind of firsts in there or unique, if you will, unique things in there. That was not by my conscious design, at least. It's just, um, you know, when there's something prodding you that something isn't quite right, you, you know, if you, you either heed it or you don't. And I think the, the natural uh, inclination for us is to not heed it because it's easier or at least we think it's easier to fit in or to be a part of what's expected of us in various ways. And for some reason, I don't know why. I mean, do any of us really know why we are as we are? I mean, we kind of <laughs> don't know why, but um, I, I'm, I'm kind of a paradigm buster, if you will. And I, mm. I don't try to be, it just kind of happens. So real quick, I would just say that uh, black kid, South side of Chicago, um, one of four, I'm the youngest. And there's a lot of expectations or lack of expectation. You know, my mom was single. Um, and and I, I just have this way of not doing things that are in conflict with what is inside of me. And don't get me wrong. There's always that initial challenge of fitting in. Um, but the thing that I hope a lot of people either have already learned or are in the process of learning is that biggest form of conflict is with yourself. And to the extent that you can reduce it, and I know we'll get into that more as we as we talk, Paul, but the extent that I can reduce that, I guess I learned at a very early age that I, I don't want to hear that inside voice or, or unspoken energy that doesn't like that I'm not doing what I am apparently here to do. Because we all are here to do various things and, uh, and getting out of that conflict uh, from external energies is a key part of realizing those things. Yeah, that's that's some really powerful stuff there, Aaron. That's um, yeah, you know that I I can't wait for you to to get across your ideas and you know share you know how you how you manage to you know fulfill all these things that that you've got at the moment. So I know our our listeners are going to absolutely love hearing about your your journey and uh, you know what you're what you're doing now and how you see life you know as it is. Really, really good. Absolutely, happy to um, share. That's that's great. Now, Aaron, I have to ask you about you know receiving your MBA. Um, you know, without having a, a prior undergraduate college degree. So, so how how did that come around? Well, you know, most schools, even the really 
uh, renowned schools as SMU, the one I went to, they're also a business and uh, they, they want to make sure that, especially something like an MBA, they have executive MBA programs, right? They want to make sure that their brand is protected. The value of the level of education they provide is protected. So many of them, believe it or not, do have a, an option or, or, or the, a qualification without an undergrad provided you are already an executive or proven, or you know, they don't want to take you from zero to hero, so to speak, um, because what if you remain zero? Because uh, you haven't proven yourself in undergrad uh, as, as people consider you know, the, the stair-step process. But if you already have um, a proven track record, great letters of recommendation, a certain income clip level, you can actually do it. So I'm not, it is very rare, um, but I'm not entirely unique in that respect. It's just yeah. part of my journey. I never got an undergrad before because going back to what I said at the outset, following my truth when I was in high school. So I love cars. I've literally owned over a hundred cars in my life. <laughs> I don't even know how many there are now, but I've always loved cars. Thought I wanted to work on them. And I thought I wanted to be a computer programmer. Programming was too tedious. The cars were extremely painful sometimes. You know, your, your, your wrench slips. It's a Chicago winter. You, you bang your knuckles. It's very dirty. <laughs> Seriously, all these things. So I just kind of said, all right, clearly. I will enjoy cars from the driver's seat and from, you know, paying to tweak them or whatever. So I got off of that kick, got off yeah. of the programming side because I'm more interpersonal. I've always enjoyed communicating, sharing um, the complexity of, of human humanity has always um, been intriguing to me. So in fact, if I dig that, if I go even back even further, since I was a child, this is part of the book, right? This is part of uh, connecting our dots. Mm -hmm. And the book is really about you, the reader, who's ever reading it. But I can remember um, par my parents, my uncles, aunties, every older person in my family telling me since I was uh, an infant that I would stare at people's mouths and I would have this squinted look on my face and I would just be dying to comprehend what they're saying and then dying to speak back. And this has always been there. And then in third or fourth grade, I remember being told that I had high school or college level reading and comprehension. That went in one ear and out the other. I didn't understand what it meant. I just knew that I, lo I loved reading, uh, loved stories, loved deducing, you know, uh, facts about something I just read. And so that was just part of me. And so by the time I'm in high school and I've tried these computer programming and auto mechanic and things. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like that, um, I knew that I needed to be in a field that either was maybe teaching, uh, training, sales. If I had the option to go to college, it would have been an attorney, perhaps maybe a psychologist, but there's all sorts of reasons why college was not an option. That's maybe for a different discussion if we have time. But the point is I, I, I listened to myself at that stage and it's like, okay, I need to be dealing with people. So that's the first macro level decision. Now, if I were a different infant and, uh, you know, grammar school child, high school child, or, you know, kid, and I was always into building or work with my hands and things like that. Then I would have chosen something different. But the first point was I went down the path that matched my persona. And I ended up in sales and ended up doing incredible in sales at a very young age. 
So I'm very empathic. I listen. I want to help. And next thing you know, by the time I'm in my low 20s, uh, I'm in very big ticket, business transformative. That means take a department of a company, it's manufacturing, it's e-commerce, pick the category, marketing, throughout my career, I've sold, you know, big, expensive software that ran departments of various parts of a business throughout the years. And I ended up doing that. And all my peers were 35, 40 with degrees, and I'm 22, 23, <laughs> and uh, do that for, you know, 15 years, and now I'm 35, and, and now I'm qualified to get an MBA. I've made hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, every year, since I was 20-something years old, and uh, have, have letters of recommendation to prove it. So that's sort of the, the childhood through adulthood backstory of how I ended up getting an MBA um, without an undergrad. Wow, that's 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 great. That's um, you know, you said some compelling things there, and kind of following on from you know, you you mentioned about you know once you've gone through these different um, different types of jobs and realised what you wanted to do and you know practice some of these things. Now, re- regarding your financial success, um, most people primarily expel ambition and drive. Yet, um, in the career and business section of your book, you have a chapter called "Empathy Can Make You Millions." Now, are you being factitious here, or is that is that really true? Can can it make you millions? <laughs> right, it it absolutely can. I mean, that's that's actually one of my pet peeves, especially in this generation where there's so much focus on the physical and the money and the you know flossing. We got you know videos and cars and IG has made it even more prevalent. Everybody wants to be flashing, you know, all all the trappings, and then you got the people that are pushing young people, especially young men, women are ambitious too, but as young men, we really are more physical. We just want these toys. And they're pushing this narrative of, you know, what it takes to get it. You know, you you get up at four or five and you don't go to bed till 10. And while your friends are doing things that they enjoy, you you work your ass off and eat nails, all this stuff. And that just wasn't the path for me. And I, and, and, um, you got to listen to what what we're really about. And most of us are a lot more nurturing than we know. You know mm-hmm. Society has taught us to be all about yourself and you've got to take care of yourself, obviously. Self comes first. You can't serve anyone until you serve yourself. There's actually truth to that. So selfishness is not all bad. But the very next thing that we care about is making a difference, is helping uh, and, and to serve our fellow man. That's just, you can study us when we were babies. I've talked about some of this in the book too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always been, you know, anti-bully as a child. I don't know why. I, just, I, I prefer justice. I, I don't like seeing people suffer, any of that. So as I'm in my, you know, young adulthood, and I'm learning that these solutions that I'm selling are solving the problem, not just for a corporation, but the people that go to work every day. And this affects their eight hours a day, and eight hours is most of their existence, right? most of their waking existence. All of us, we spend more time working just about than anything else. And so I really became attuned to what's the problem? Why, why are they in pain? How can we make it better? What would they want? And that was all, that energy comes through in meetings. It comes through as a differentiator from your peers that are so into their own world of got to make a quota, got to get this significant get this car. It's, it's a different um, sort of energy. And so... My questions were better. Uh, they were more insightful. You show your knowledge by the kind of question you ask. And, and as you go deeper into the personal ramifications, 
for the people you're asking questions to. That also um, is, is very um, impactful for the for the customer on the other end. Um, mm -hmm. So I can honestly say that uh, it's, that was a big differentiator. I mean, I've been number one in multiple jobs with people way older than me that totally had way more experience and were the majority skin color, if you will, for this industry. I mean, I'm black, and that's also a, a, a huge um, supposed disadvantage. Uh, really, any minority on the sales side, because a lot of people think of sales as because you have to get people to want give you their money. They, have, they need to like you. That's very different than a lot of pure merit-based stuff, where if you're a great mechanic, you're a great mechanic. If you're a great programmer, if you're a great accountant, fine. A lot of minorities thrive in any of those kinds of positions. Mm -hmm. It's usually pretty hard. It's harder to thrive in a sales position because, you know, there's relationships that still. People are typically afraid of what's different. So if the mass of the decision-makers are middle-aged white men, you're an Indian, you're Mexican, you're black, you're anything you know different enough. Even a woman sometimes they have challenges too because they don't exactly mirror all the empathy and the energy that is that was behind what I was doing was a huge differentiator. So I, I you know, the whole point of that chapter uh, and other parts of the book is to banish this notion that nice guys finish last. A lot of yep. us think that. If we just don't have this desire to go knock people's heads off and just go get it no matter what, that, that we're only destined to have mediocre jobs and, you know, some mediocrity. No, there is a huge place for you. And, and, and the challenge is for you to step fully into what you are and not view it as a disadvantage, but figure out how do you use it to your advantage, not just for your advantage and income and all that, but for the reason that you have it, which is to help serve the collective planet, right? The whole consciousness. So... Oh uh, yeah, you definitely can make millions with your empathy if you are, and if you're not naturally empathetic, at least consciously, that's because it's kind of been trained out of you through our society. But we all really naturally are. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's a really good answer there, um, Aaron. And you know, when you see the words empathy and making millions, they don't usually go together. Well, that's and as you said, that's what we've kind of been taught uh, from a young age. You know, it's all about getting ahead looking after number one. So um, yeah, that, that sounds like a really interesting um, chapter in the book. So so going back to your book, um, you know, Unbounded Journey to Your Within, how how would you describe the book? You know, it's a it's a book that integrates the what we would consider our physical reality, our physical paradigm, everything that we are male, female, American, race, career, social status, all the physical things that we that make us who we are <clears throat> with the esoteric, with the energy, the spark that really has nothing to do with what we physically are or our physical disposition whatsoever. It's that, that essence that was there day one when, when we were born uh, and, and we had a way about us. And then we would come, you know, when we're 10 months or a year and a half or two, We've got a personality before anyone taught us or trained it out of us. Uh, it, it kind of is what it is. And then gradually, we began to deviate from that, from that natural spark because of social, societal um, you know, stimuli that is constantly shaping us. And so the book is really about how do we return back to the unconscious part of us. And even science says that 90-something percent of all human thought is unconscious. That basically means that everything we do 
we don't have a freaking clue why we're doing it. <laughs> well, when we connect some dots, if you will, when we begin to dissect early on through the middle and even our current disposition on various topics, very, and we go very transparently, we begin to consciously become aware of what we've always been unconsciously, if you will, and how we've always felt unconsciously, again, on all kinds of topics. And if we can have the courage to marry that unspoken energy to our physical reality, now you end up with a life that is, I call, unbounded, because you no longer have these accumulated binders, if you will, which yeah. impede your natural joy, because you, you're, you've been gradually less, you've you become gradually more uh, misaligned with that original spark that you were at the beginning. Right. So, yeah, cause I've seen that in the book, um, Aaron, about being unbounded. So I'm, I know our audience are going to absolutely love to hear what, what does it actually mean to become unbounded? Unbounded. Well, the word unbound means, and some people are like, hey, isn't that, you know, incorrect English, unbounded? Don't you just mean unbound? No. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy, and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. Unbound is when you no longer have a bind on you. So handcuffed, now you're unbound. Unbounded, the actual definition is limitless. So now it's regardless of the, quote, binders that might have held you, there's any other thing that might have been a perceived limitation. It never bound you, per se, but it's a perceived limitation. Come unbounded when we are closer to our highest self. What does that mean? If you actually work here, connect any of us to a okay sorry aaron aaron i've just lost you there can you hear me yes can you hear me yes yes sorry so the term unbounded is different than the term unbound when people think that they're one and the same. Well, to be unbound is to no longer have a specific binding on you. Mm -hmm. Unbounded by definition actually means limitless. So that means you may not have ever really uh, thought you had a binder on you or been bound by a specific problem, but there are perceived limitations. There's, there's any number of things that may supposedly define your trajectory or what you can and can't do. So becoming unbounded means to really have nothing that uh, 
consciously controls your potential, your happiness, your joy, your fulfillment. And to get there, we get there by becoming more of our higher self. What do I mean by higher self? This is not woo-woo stuff, right? A lot of people think anything about ascension or, you know, it's too esoteric. You know, this is, you're talking to a very grounded business guy also, and this is, this is scientific. If you were to wrap or connect any of us to a biofeedback machine, think of it like an EKG, an actual medical device at a hospital. There's a probe around your head, maybe around your wrists and your ankles, and that device is monitoring your vibrational frequency. If they flash pictures in front of you of your dog, of your boyfriend, girlfriend, your, your child, anything, your hobby, right, that makes you feel great, your vibrational frequency rises. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a literal measurement. On the other hand, if they show you something that scares you, depressing, fearful, it goes very low. So when we, when we live a life that includes things, ideals, concepts, and purposes, that are closer to our higher self, which is in the space of joy. So that really is all of our purpose since we were babies. We pursue joy and we vehemently resist that which doesn't bring joy. By the time we're old, we have a life full of things that rob us of joy. And we don't even realize it. We're watching bogus programming that's negative and triggers us, you know, and we're, and we're, yet we're addicted to it. We're in conflicting relationships and we don't know how to get out and yet everything about it sucks you know we're in jobs that we dread going to even though we spend all this money on school we don't have the courage to say to acknowledge this doesn't do it for me because i got to make money and this makes the money but this little thing over here is just makes my heart sing but yet i'll take a you know a huge pay cut we can't figure out how to how to do that which we're here to do because of all these physical ideals that are around us so we become unbounded when we start to peel away the, the, the things that we've been taught to believe would yield a result that it simply has not been yielding. And we, we, tend, we have to go through a process of, of finding our higher self, the things that actually bring us joy and fulfillment. We do that, you no longer have any limitation because your vibe can be as high as, high as it needs to be. And since like attracts like, when you're doing the things that are in line with your actual essence, um, then like attracts more like, meaning more positivity. Things start to happen. Things that make no sense, and doors begin to open. That's that's really how the process works. Well, that's um, that's some powerful, you know, guidance there. And yeah, now now I fully understand, you know, what it means to become unbounded and you know just uh, kind of you know thinking about things all differently again. So um, yeah, that's that's really interesting stuff. Thank thank you for that, Aaron. Now I'm. Um, Aaron, you, you often talk about the importance of having a zero-tolerance policy for internal conflict. So, so what, what do you mean by this? Yeah, that's, this is a big one. Well, I mean, um, it's very easy for us to accept things because of supposed norms and to kind of sequest or, or uh, suppress a different feeling that's inside of us. I'll give you an example. I'm in high school and I'm a senior and I have enough credits to be in a co-op or work program where I get out of school at 10 a.m. I get to go to work somewhere, earn some money, and I get those credits. And um, 100% basically, except for me, of the males that were in this position had enough credits and they were in a work program. They were in 
distributed education. These are the different work programs. Um, distributed means you're working in retail, you're working in UPS, you're doing something that uh, is, you know, blue collar makes you money, maybe more money because they pay hourly good wages, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, then they have things like home ec, which no one, no male was doing that. Mm-hmm. And then you had office education, which, which is the one I was in and no male was there because that was, that seemed like a keyboarding class. In fact, that's what it was. <laughs> we were typing on keyboards and the computers and everyone's thinking, oh, you, you know, you'll just be a secretary if you're doing that. Well, I'm sitting there going, the whole world is going toward computers. I didn't know, this was like 94. So the internet was, I think was more bulletin boards, not a bunch of browsers and stuff. And it wasn't that prolific, but I just knew that technology would, con- would continue to grow. And I'm going, you got to know how to communicate. Typing is like writing. I'm like, I won't know how to type. I didn't care how silly it made me look or, or, or supposedly less masculine, whatever the case was. If I would have, if I would have gone and, and I was going to make a lot less money because the jobs that you got in that program were downtown Chicago, which was a 45 to 50 minute train ride. So I was going to lose an hour a day and the other way, you know, five or eight hours a week worth of pay. And the pay was actually less at a bank as a little temporary high school worker than working for 10, 12 bucks an hour at at your local UPS or something like that. Mm -hmm. If I would have gone that path, knowing that I thought the other one would serve me better, if I would have crumbled because of fear or a societal expectation or whatever, that's an example of being in conflict. That that's a bigger one. That's about, about career and stuff. But we do this all the time, Paul. Like we do it with friendships. There's yeah. people at school or at work that we're supposed to like because everyone else likes them or everyone else thinks something of them. But if there's things about them that's friction to you, you know, they're they're too much ego or they're you know they're too fake or something. It's okay to excuse yourself to just not. But I mean, this this list can go on forever. So, um, the other thing I would I would connect with this point, Paul, is we ultimately have two ways to be animated, meaning two ways to exist, to be Paul, to be Aaron. We have two ways. In terms, you know, it, we're either heavily in the mind or ego, ego mind, meaning human thought of what you think things should be. Yeah. Or we're very much in the heart space. So this concept of conflict means you want to try as hard as you can to never do something that is in conflict with the heart space, what you really feel, what the gut, the instinct, because that's the thing that is infinite. That's been here long before you came out your mother's womb. The mind are things that you've been, you've been taught and absorbed since coming out of the womb. So this book is also about learning how to become more balanced to where you you are you are more heart centered in what you're doing and selecting and enjoying and accepting to happen in your life versus what you've been taught to accept. Conflict, you know, removing that conflict with the heart side is is key. Yeah, I, th- I think that's some really good advice there. And you know, as you said about having zero tolerance policy, you know, for for this internal conflict, I think a lot of us have got you know time at the moment to to look inside ourselves and think, you know, what are the good things? You know, who are these people around us who are you know just looking after themselves rather than you know showing empathy? So yeah, really, really interesting stuff there. And thank you. Now, um, um, going back, going back to your book, um you know, unbounded journey to your within, you, um, you do touch on some, um, I suppose, some touchy topics like misaligned um, 
family relationships, uh, romance, friendships, divorce, and even sometimes religion. <laughs> um, since everyone's situation is different, how do you address these in, in the book? It's a great question. I, I think, um, and that's really the point of the book, <clears throat> is that it is a journey to the reader's within. Like, I'll, I'll give examples that we've all been through. Um, some of the examples I use are universal to everybody as we were growing up. Um, and the question is, what were you feeling in those circumstances? Other examples might be personal to me. And then you can model how you've experienced something similar or a totally different, you know, topic, but, but the struggle, the battle you had to decide on the repercussions of going one way versus another. And the goal is for you to, you the reader, to be in that moment, play out the scenario, grab a sheet of paper, if you will, and, and write out some things so that you arrive at what is the absolute truth for you. Because there are some things in life that absolutely no one can tell you. Nobody. I mean, there's no mentor, there's no guru, author speaker, all that stuff. None of it matters because it's your own conflict. It's your own journey. You are CEO of your life. You deal with the cause and effect. And everybody else's recommendation at some point becomes quite moot. What we all got to figure out is <clears throat> how do we live a life that is cohesive, a physical experience, because we are human while we're here. None of us know for sure what will be what we are when we die. There's all sorts of theories and feelings and spirituality. I'm extremely spiritual myself, and there's been experiences in my life that unequivocally tell me that we are more than these physical bodies. But I won't even know for sure. Nobody even knows for sure until they actually pass on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we all got to find that that foundation. I do get into some very touchy things that will hit home for most of us. So I'm able to go into very touchy topics but the answer to any one of them will always be your own it's forcing you to go within to play them out to go back in history to look at your present situation you know for example sometimes we're in a relationship that we know is not aligned you know we we know it isn't and there's all kinds of reasons that we stay there we might stay there for fear of the work of having to start all over. We might stay there for insecurity. Maybe we won't get somebody else. We, we think we're staying there out of empathy. We think that we're going to damage someone too bad and it's going to hurt them. And so we can't, we can't do that and we can't end it. All kinds of reasons. And we're really just running from ourselves and we're doing a disservice to the other person because we're all energy and the energy is felt. And the conflict is always there long before there's a formal breakup or formal, you know, you know, supposed infidelity. Uh, infidelity is a physical output of what you already felt, what the energy already was, what it was anyway. And even in some relationships, there's no such thing as physical infidelity because they're both so aligned and they're both so connected at a soul level that uh, they don't consider any physical acts outside of each other to be unfaithful. I mean, there's all sorts of different lifestyles. The point is, how are we aligned with ourselves and with our partner? And are we being honest with ourselves, right? So although I get into very touchy topics, um, I don't tell, there is no one way 
There is no recommendation in this situation, do this, but you will always come away with your own answer of the pros and cons of each. And, and the answer you will realize has been with you the whole time. Like everyone that's read this book, they always tell me, I felt like I was staring at my own self in the mirror, uh, <laughs> stuff that I just kind of didn't want to address. And, you know, but to hear it, 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 it all it really is, it's a book of resonance, right? To help us face what we know is going on inside anyway, but we haven't been able to muster the courage to deal with. Yeah, I think that's really powerful there. And, you know, what, what you mentioned about, you know, being honest with yourself and, you know, looking at yourself and are you there for the right reasons before anything, you know, bad happens is is, is really powerful. Now, um, Aaron, as, as we get towards the end of the show now, um, you've given us some great, excellent information today. So thank you for that. Now, are there any final words of wisdom you'd like to give our audience out there? You know, considering all that's going on, the COVID pandemic globally, the fear around careers, disease, politics. There's so much. And, and you know, all this fear, you've heard the term fear is crippling. Mm. Fear takes us out of our natural game, right? It's true in, any, in every situation. Athletes know this. If you're performing and speaking, everyone, if you have to dictate in front of class, it's just every single topic. When you're scared, you don't do it like when you're not scared. Everything is now fake. It's unnatural. So that puts us deeper into the mind. Remember, the mind is the one that's full of the things that we've been taught, which may or may not even be accurate for us. So how do we go into a heart space? How do we, how do we cross the water, so to speak, and, and stay on this path or even get on the path? This whole COVID situation actually has the ability to serve us all I think it ultimately will do more good than bad before it's all done or when it's all said and done. I think of it as a collective dark night of the soul uh, in certain ways. And dark night of the soul is a term that has to do with when you've experienced enough things or a certain type of challenge that reshapes your whole view of yourself, of kind of everything. Um, if you ever watch Goldcast on Facebook or YouTube, almost every story of anyone that's ever been encouraging, motivational, inspirational, et cetera, it, they've been through some crazy stuff. And that gives them this opportunity to transmute negative energy and, and manage it in a different way where it serves them. And then things that happen bad in the future have less of an impact. They end up having no fear or a lot less fear because they've seen how even the bad has served them. Well, I'd say, Paul, given the anxiety around us, the book doesn't talk about COVID because there was no COVID then, but it yeah. talks about how, how, anxiety, how anxiety also serves us. Well, this period has allowed us to face some of our biggest fears. People are worried about, will I ever have income again? Will I have to change careers? What about my credit? So much uncertainty, right? And when you carry that load long enough and you keep seeing that things don't, you don't just die. You know, there is a way you yeah. do face it and you come out of it. Uh, it. It prepares you, it strengthens you for the future. So uh, the advice I'd give is remember you're here for a purpose. You, you came here and you were what you were probably long before you were a baby. I say probably because everyone's belief system is different, but there's enough circumstantial evidence um, that we've all either experienced or in the process of kind of experiencing that tell us mm, there's, 
from deja vu and all kinds of other stuff that kind of tell us we're a bit more than human. If you keep that in mind, then this period will serve you greatly. And everything that you go through that's, that seems terrible, you'll be able to look at in retrospect and realize, damn, that was, that helped me in all these different ways. And in fact, the anxiety chapters of the book, the whole point of that is to show us that everything is by our overall design, by, by the design of the bigger version of ourselves, because you don't grow without some struggle. So mm-hmm. I just want to encourage folks to um, keep that in mind and don't be so um, focused on the physical reality of what you're currently in. There's a spiritual or, or energetic uh, essence to you and to your experiences that will ultimately serve you. Well, I think that's some great advice there. Yeah, you know, as you were saying that, you know, this 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 time of anxiety for everyone, we're, we're going to get through it and there's some positivity out there. And, um, you know, we can transform us into into something, you know, a better self, which, which is great. So thank you very much for that. That's some really good advice there. Now, um, Aaron, where can we find you online? Do you have a website or, you know, social media? Can, can you let us know? I do, and all of the above. The website is uh, AaronMcCormick.com. So it's two A's, R-O-N-M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C-K.com. And you can click there to buy the book. It'll take you to Amazon, or you can go to Amazon directly. You can go to BarnesandNoble.com. And and on the website, you can inquire about speaking, having me speak at your company, event, nonprofit, or um, coaching. Um, As availability is there, I will do some uh, individual coaching as well. Oh, that's great. That's really good. So, um, yeah, we, so we've got your website there and um, we will have all the links um, to your social media on, on, the, um, on the show notes on this part, podcast as well. So if you just scroll down, you, you'll see all the, um, the links there. Um, well, you know, thank you for joining us here today and um, hearing the amazing information from our guest. Aaron, if you could just hold the line until I close out. Um, so ladies and gentlemen out there, we thank you for tuning in. Please share this with friends, with family, co-workers, anyone you feel would benefit from our transformational wisdom. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Also, we have a new IG page. So Transform You Live Show. Check us out on there. This has been the Transform You Live Show, the only show where you can make real life and business transformation. My name is Paul Greaves, and we are done and dusted. Thank you very much. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.